as awesome as the title of today's feast is, Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, I think it lacks a little bit of punch for us because I think very few of us have ever lived under a king. And so the whole position of a king doesn't really carry much weight for us in our life. So what is a king? Well, when there is a king of a kingdom, the king becomes the organizing principle of the life of the people in the kingdom. He's the one who establishes the standards that people live by. He sets up the rule of life. And when the king does that, the king offers protection to all of his subjects. The king is the one who establishes what is justice in his land. And in return, the subjects, the people, offer tribute to the king. And so when we think about it in that way, what do we place as the role of king in our life? And because we don't have a physical person that takes on that role, we do that in different ways, each one of us. For example, some people make celebrities their king. They do that by seeing their talent and their looks, and that becomes the organizing principle, the thing that establishes the standard for their life. I will live my life based on my talent and on my looks. And I will get preoccupied with the way that I appear to others, and everything that matters is how I can take my talents to their maximum potential. Or by work and by money. That we allow work and money to be the organizing principle of our life, that we believe that this can establish order in our life. If I work hard enough and I make enough money to be secure, I will have order and peace in my life. Or others still will make science their king. That they place the idea that all mysteries of life, everything that is unknown, can be explained by science. And then we will know. But when we talk about Jesus as king, we hear readings about a shepherd. And just like the idea of a king, the idea of a shepherd for us is also very foreign. We have to remember that the shepherd in Jesus' time was someone who was not allowed into the city of Jerusalem. They were smelly. They were poor. It was a low-class job to look after sheep. And that's what Jesus points to as the way that he his king. And so if that is the way that Jesus is king for us, then what does that mean in the way that we are called to live as subjects of this king? How do we live under a king who claims to be a shepherd for us? Well, we start to see that a little bit in the image of the sheep and the goats that we hear in the gospel today. The sheep are the righteous, placed at the right hand of the king, and the goats are separated to the left, and they are the ones who are accursed. Why do the goats get a bad rap? 
They offer the same thing pretty much that the sheeps do. They offer good meat. They offer milk. They don't have wool, but otherwise they're as good to trade economically as a sheep is. So why are the goats seen as accursed and the sheep seen as righteous in this image of heaven that Jesus gives? It's because of the goat's behavior. Goats were seen as erratic in their behavior. You couldn't, be, couldn't predict what the goats were trying to do, the way that they behaved. The goats were seen as belligerent in their attitude. They could be aggressive. And they were seen as a proud animal. And in three, these three things, we see what prevents us from being those who live under the shepherd king, placed at the left. We go back to the example of celebrities and work and money and science. Celebrities, though they give this idea of talent and looks as this kingship, we see in the news they are very erratic. Their lives are all over the place. They struggle to maintain order. When we see those who live by work and by money and establishing their life based on this principle, we often find very proud-hearted people behind that. And for those who live their life based on scientism, that science will explain everything that we need to know in our way of life, we often see very belligerent people that are not open to other forms of knowledge besides science. We're called to be sheep to the shepherd. And what does that look like? It's this list that we hear four times in the gospel today, just so maybe it'll sink in a little bit for us. In the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, the sick, and the imprisoned. Now when we think of all of these things, if any one of us here in the church or outside of the church sees under the image of the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, the stranger, the imprisoned, the little child that you see on the advertisements for World Vision, everyone will come to that need. But we have a king who puts himself in the place of a shepherd. Jesus comes to the lowest. Jesus reverses the role of the king. And so what does that mean in the way that we serve the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, the sick, and the imprisoned? What happens if the hungry are those who are starving to be loved? And it demands that you love somebody that is really hard to love. What happens if the thirsty is an alcoholic? Will you be there with them? What happens if the naked are in fact the ones who are clothed with smelly and tattered clothing? Will you come close enough to serve them? What happens if the sick are sick by their own fault? A diabetic who doesn't take care of themselves and develops gangrene. Will you come close enough to their wounds and serve them in that? What if the stranger looks at life in a completely different way than you do? Will you welcome them anyway? 
and probably the easiest to think about, is visiting those in prison. Someone who has been convicted of horrible sin. Would we visit them anyway? Because this is the invitation of our shepherd king. But the consolation in this very big task is that Jesus comes to us first as a shepherd king. See, the kingdom that Jesus is trying to establish is not the kingdom that we would see established through talent and looks, through the science that would explain everything away, and through the work and the money that would make perfect order in this life. Jesus doesn't do those things. Jesus hasn't brought perfect peace to our society. He doesn't come and explain all mysteries of God in the scriptures. And he doesn't give us the promise of a perfectly fulfilled life here and now. But he does establish his kingdom. So what is it? The shepherd king is the one who protects, the one who offers justice, and the one who asks tribute from us. And as the shepherd king, how does Jesus do that? Jesus protects us as St. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, from the last enemy, which is death. Sin and death. Jesus is our protection from sin and death. Sin and death in our life never have the last word because of our King. He has the last word over those things that would ail us for eternity. Jesus is King over sin and death. Jesus is the one who brings justice to our life. But not justice as we would try to establish in the world. He brings justice in mercy that is capable of redeeming anyone. And Jesus brings order in our life through the peace that he offers us in relationship with him. That through him we come to know this unity and peace. And if you listen to the rest of the prayers for Mass today, you will see that that is our prayer today on this feast. That his kingdom would be established in unity and in peace. This is our shepherd king. And we are invited to be the sheep who model themselves after this example. The one who is king of the universe and yet identifies himself with a lowly shepherd to seek out the lost, to bind up the injured. And we, as the greatest pinnacle of God's creation, willingly identify ourselves as sheep so that we might be protect protected, that we might experience the justice of God, and that we might find order and peace through God's grace. So if we look at our own lives, if we look at our own hearts, what is the organizing principle of our life? What establishes the standards that we live by? What sets up our rule of life? The way that we go about our day, day after day. Who sets that up? Who establishes that? Is Jesus the king of our heart? Thank you.